Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. This week's show, delighted to be joined by Catherine Porter, good friend of mine from the treasury industry. She's been a number of different places throughout her treasury career, which I think is going to be, well, fab to deep dive in. She came from sort of financial control in the earlier days, then discovered the wonderful world of treasury, uh, cochlea, the ear implants, then did some work at Cancer Research, short stint to Paragon Housing, and more recently, CBRE. But she's uh, got a really rich history in treasury. We were talking before the show, Catherine gave me some really detailed briefing notes and a lot of stuff I didn't even know, so it was really interesting. Catherine, enough of me chatting. Come on, talk us through your career today and how you first got started. Probably, I even noted in the notes, you discovered accountancy, then discovered, you know, got into finance, then discovered treasury. So Mm. talk us through that early journey and then bring us through over the next 20 minutes you sort of your career journey if you were over to you thanks for the introduction mike it's really nice to come on the show i started out in accounting slightly sort of uh, stumbled into it i think after my university degree which was an engineering degree joined one of the big accountancy companies so arthur anderson a sad sad long long time uh, uh, no longer with us and trained as a chartered accountant in london and was always very keen on things German. So I, I uh, once I passed my exams in London, I, I went across to the Hamburg office, which was great. But I think like many who come my route through counting or to treasury, indeed, if we started an audit, we'd probably want to a bit of a change from that. So I worked in industry in Hamburg, uh, joined P&O Containers as a an accounting manager. Quite fun, nice time. We did uh, nothing to really to do with treasury. It was very much back office type accounting, uh, voyage accounting, paying for things, that sort of thing in a big regional team. I, well, I had a team of people working for me in, in for the Northern European part of the business. You you had an interest in German. You're not German by background. No, you I'm not. That. You, went, you went off and learned that stuff. Or what, just Again, I thought that was an interesting thing that I didn't realize. I did an O-level, chose how old I am. Then I'm talking about O-level, not GCSEs. And was really kind of keen on it because I had a relationship with a family in Frankfurt through my dad's work, actually. You know, I've known the family my entire life and they were just very supportive about getting out there and had a gap year and did courses, did a load of classes in Germany yeah. and in London as well when I was doing the accountancy. So I was just very keen on it really and looked for some opportunities when I was with Andersons and after a couple of other projects, I, I went and worked in Hamburg. So that's how it happened and was over there quite a few years and uh, it was real shaping stuff actually going and working abroad, that much I can say. So I was still working in sort of financial control type of roles in the P&O containers period and actually worked in Rotterdam for them too, but then kind of got to you know, you get to a point with a job, you think I'm not kind of moving forwards anymore. I need to look at something fresh and sort out GE Capital as a business that was very in at that time. It's of course been through different times since, very much so. Came back to London, worked in a leasing business for GE Capital and did kind of, you know, some integration accounting and closures of, uh, assisted on closures of acquisitions. They were very acquisitive at that point. It was quite fun, but didn't stay there that long, but got couple of good things out of it. One was that I became aware of the ACT, people having treasury exams. So I had a few colleagues who were not just accountants, but they were, they'd taken treasury exams and they were doing, clearly doing some more technical work at GE Capital. And that kind of was a bit of a moment where I thought, hmm, what are they doing that I don't know about? And also quite, I, I learned some structures around running projects at GE, which I thought was very helpful. And I've taken that with me actually in my 
in, my, in the rest of my working life. Kind of now a little moment where I'm starting to think, hmm, there's something beyond accounting. You know, should, is that something I should investigate? I had 12 months just about in a startup, in a tech startup after GE, and kind of went there, I think, to help the CFO with preparing for an IPO, but actually that never happened. So it's my jobs, yeah. my role sort of went away because the company was actually purchased by a big telco. That was in the ninth. that was the sort of around the dot-com boom yes, as well. Exactly, that time, so exactly that period. And and you know, people probably, you know, stop questioning interviews. So why did you jump out of GE into a tech startup? Well, because everybody else was doing it at the time. Everyone did. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was at the time people were saying, how do you scare an investment banker? Just say boo.com. <laughs> And it was. It was a scary time. I think the thing is, Mike, you know, when, you, when you're a bit younger, or maybe may even when you're a bit older, but when, certainly when you're a bit yeah. younger, you need to take a few of those sort of slightly edgier opportunities and not be too wed to what you, your dad might have advised you to do sort of thing. And I, it was one of those moments. And for various reasons, I don't regret it at all. But I guess one of the learning points from that job, which I put in my notes to you before this this chat, was that even when, it doesn't matter what kind of company you join, you've got to have a proper role when you get there. And this was one of those ones for, the, for all kinds of positive reasons actually just sort of fizzled out and you have to recognise, right, time to do something else. So when that company was brought up, I went almost the next day, I think it was like two days later, I joined joined MWB Business Exchange because a mate of mine had, be, had been working there and said, could you come and could you come and help us out here? We've got some European subs. Again, an FC role, all the usual things going on. There's something about that role. I was there a couple of years. Something about that role where I was kind of thinking about the treasury background or rather not having the treasury background at that point in that role because there were there were some cash issues. And I think not just, not just to do with cash, but I think it would have been a better financial controller at that point if I'd had a bit of a grounding in treasury. And in fact, that's one of the things I really think strongly about if you're in a in a small, slightly smaller business where you've really got to be quite hands-on, I think understanding some treasury principles and knowing a bit better how to deal with the banks and that sort of thing is sort of vital. Mm. I would have been better at that job if I'd have had some more structured education. Yeah, sorry, it's an interesting one. We, we, I've just done a session for the virtual forum and part of it, we talk about treasury skills wheel and perhaps I'll share that in the show notes actually for people, treasuryskillswheel.com and it relates directly to that about, you know, awareness of different areas, but also propensity to learning and we summarise that from speaking to 70 treasurers. So it's exactly as you said there, you are pre that, if you like. You're now post that because you are a treasurer and you know that. But it's all those different things. You know, you would have been a great person to interview for what makes a good treasurer. What have you got in your toolkit? Because you've got all those bits in your treasury toolkit, if you like. But we just sort of summarise it with the hard skills, the softer skills. They say qualifications in there and project management in the hard skills, but in the softer skills, you've got that communications with internal, external partners and things. Yes. It's interesting that you've actually sort of identified that at this stage sort of thing. Yeah, I think actually the dealing with the outside world, for many people that tread the sort of financial control, accounting kind of route, you often don't have really not had any experience with dealing with the outside world. And that mm. was one of the things that as I got into Treasury, so actually after I left MWB, actually to have my first child, it was right at that point that I thought, right, I'm going to actually explore the ACT and start doing some exams. And it was kind of at that moment where I thought, oh, you know, they talk to the outside world. I so want to talk to the outside world. And it if you look in my 
you know, obviously I've been through a number of job changes. Anybody, many other people would, would have been at my stage in life. One of the things that is an absolute given in my, you know, what makes me tick, I often have little, little notes of things that I'm thinking about in my next role. But there was something mm. in those notes over that period, which was, I really, really want to talk to the outside world. It, it popped up every time and I wasn't cracking it through doing these kind of classic accounting roles. And so moving into treasury, that's been a very important part of becoming a treasurer is, is being that interface with the financial institutions, etc. It's a really important part of the role for all treasurers. So you, and then moving on. So this kind of light bulb moment, which I just touched on, mm. you know, moving towards the, do some treasury education. That was kind of happening after MWB Business Exchange. So did my AMCT, which were, in those days, back in the day, was you were chartered accountant, was a couple of sort of long written papers up in the city. And then with having started a family and not really got the classic kind of treasury background, wanted to look for employment. And this was actually quite a tricky period because trying to mm, trade recruiters mm. like yourself. I don't know if I rang you up, Mike, I'd have to go right back to all my files and can't remember. <laughs> but I did meet one or two really unhelpful people who just assumed... That wouldn't have been me. That, that would have been someone else. Be, no, that <laughs> who just kind of assumed that, you know, as a returning mother, A, you probably wouldn't be able to hack it and B, you you know, you haven't got, you haven't done this and you haven't done that. Instead of sort of looking at you in the round and going, hmm, she's, she must be quite tough to have already done some exams with a new baby. And she really, really wants to go down this route. And also something which is quite dear to my heart is that returning mothers mostly don't have the capacity and don't want to work completely full time. Put all that into a package and, and actually go and talk to a recruiter about part time and et cetera in a new field. And it, it doesn't stack up to, to instant job offer. So, yeah, I think you're right. And then I, again, I read through the show notes before, and I think there's, there's, a, there's a sort of you know, challenge, if you like, between the two, which, which in some ways is, is you've got a client, and I think clients are, I know it sounds crazy, but clients are probably a little bit more flexible nowadays although they're less flexible post-lockdown because there is greater pressure, I think, on them at the moment. Currently, I think that will ease off. But in general terms, I think perhaps Treasury has broadened and become less, you know, specialist niche, you know, oh, Treasury, oh, look at this. You know, now Treasury is more mainstream. People have heard of it. So, but at the time, you know, clients were saying, well, they must have this, they must have this, they must, unless you ticked, five tick boxes they would not interview people yes and it was just a strict no and it was just why have you sent me this person well you know they're really great for the role i know i think they could be malleable they could do no no they only took four out of the five boxes mike that's a no and i'll be like oh it's really i think that's incredibly narrow i do think that's incredibly narrow yeah but i think it's changed i think yeah i think it's got better as treasury's become Let's say more mainstream. People have understood it a bit more now. And I do think on the returning mothers piece, I mean, from my perspective at that period, I was I was quite probably quite a tricky candidate to place because I genuinely hadn't been done, doing some of this stuff, you know, in the previous 10 years. And, and I understood that. But but I think if you're talking about somebody who, and it's not necessarily a returning mother, it could be somebody else from, from, you know, our society who wants to shape their life in a different way. I think that with a bit of thought, you could easily organise a Monday to Wednesday Wednesday and then a Wednesday to Friday with an overlap on Wednesday or whatever to make job share or, or, or part-time possible. But you just have to get organised. Yeah. 
at that point, it was tr- yeah. it was a tricky nuts crack. And I happened on Cochlear, who you mentioned in your opening session, yeah. is a super company, a cochlear implant company, Australian company. And the CFO there, David Ashton, saw my CV, dropped on his desk and he said, oh, I could employ her. And, and indeed, I did end up with a, a treasury manager role, which was less than full time. And on and off, I did that over the next four years. And it was it was a really really good period because I was able to sort of combine all those elements in in, in what I wanted to do at that time in my life. And so tell us about that role, because I think that was a, a good example of, you know, what was Treasury like or the Treasury set up like yeah. when you arrived there? So there hadn't been a Treasury person nominated treasury person before i guess it'd been something that had been tacked on to the fc or even cfo role whatever it had been happening i think there was a treasurer in australia group treasurer and i kind of coordinated cash consolidation there was cash coming in across the region and made sure that that was pushed back to hq as, as far as i can remember and I dealt with, or the company was dealing with quite a lot of the more those sort of challenging countries in the East and whatnot, and collecting, we did collections on letters of credit, and I organised for bid bonds to be made. And so there were some things that were slightly different away from the cash piece that were which were quite interesting and I hadn't done before. And I tried to remember actually what happened. I, I hired an assistant and as far as I can all she's probably still there, I think. So it was a very, very positive story in terms of sort of, you know, moving moving over and, and handing on to, to the next person. So very a very nice working period, actually. So a good period for you and then you moved on. And yeah. Talk us about the, the sort of graduation of you, if you know. You know, if you ask that question, so what was your big break? I think probably moving to Cancer Research UK as head of treasury was was that because that, you know, you got something on your CV which says head of treasury and they were at a very particular point in the, in the life of that charity. It's all the UK's biggest fundraising charity and obviously it's, it's hugely well seen and very important in our kind of national life, etc. But at that point, for whatever reason, they had actually cashed up their equities and after the global financial crisis. And so they were in the position where they actually had quite a lot of cash to manage. And I did that job for the time that I was there. I was there for um, just over four years in total. But most of that time I was managing a lot of cash and I sought out all kinds of ways to safely house that cash, you know, layered deposits and little short dated bond funds and various things like that until I was able to present a beauty parade of investment managers to the finance committee to suggest a, another way of doing, uh, organising the portfolio. And that's what happened. And you can you can see that if you look through the accounts, you can see when it flicks over um, to being mm. managed and it actually went to the investment manager that was picked uh, was, was Goldman Sachs and the, as far as I know they still they still manage it and and that was a very good period from my perspective because you know I had the interaction with the city I had to because I had all that money to look after and the city obviously likes working with the charity sector so it, mm. it opens doors if you want in a way that maybe it's slightly different if you're a corporate well, the city tends to be pretty generous with companies and, co- and customers anyway but particularly as charity uh, representative that meant you know knock on lo- you know lo- lots of being invited to lots of sort of talks and other events that banks and things would be holding investment managers would be holding which otherwise you might not have got into so that was quite interesting from a point of view of understanding better how things work in the city that sort of thing and um, particularly on the investment side from my perspective a really good story in terms of this is what you acquired in the job and this is how you moved it on and got it to the place where it needed to be and the other part of the job which was really really great was being involved with the defined benefit pension 
fund at Cancer Research UK, which was closed for new entrants, but obviously had to be managed. In the four years, I was sort of both a pension trustee director and on the investment committee. And the two takeaways from, from that, being involved with that really, one was working alongside really, really senior people who who were experts in their field who were co-opted onto those committees and so that was really good sort of proper learning stuff and but also that the fund went on to be and is you know sort of in surplus and in really good shape and I think that reflects on you know the people who were chairing those committees and how we behaved as a group and made our decisions over that period to to do this and do that with in terms of the the husbandry of the fund and it's a bit technical I think treasurers quite like being involved in pension funds just because it's a little bit technical it's a bit different from what you're doing on the the day job so this is a really really good period from my perspective cancer research okay and as if you weren't busy enough you then also deep dived into and we again we'll come on to this a bit later mm. and it, separately but you did the mct you, you know again some people will understand what that is yeah some of the guys perhaps in the u.s won't know because they did tend to focus more on the ctp and yes the yes what, what is that and you know you know what does it cover i've taken loads and loads of exams in my life but in fact, i'm looking at it right now in my workroom at home but it's the only certificate i've got on my wall so then maybe that puts it in context mm. i've got a university degree i did chartered accountancy i've got i've got the certificate somewhere I did my associate exams at the ACT but it's the MCT it's in a gold frame behind my computer screen right in front of me and it is the course that was I mean sort of over the years the course has changed a bit but the the course that I completed in 2012 is actually called an advanced diploma I'm reading off the the certificate advanced diploma in treasury corporate finance which you'll know very well Mike there are lots of people uh, in the UK who've done this and, and some further afield out it was a 13 months, pretty well full-time. There weren't really very many fire breaks in the course. Mm. Multi-modular course of study, so a mixture of case studies, really meaty case studies with you know, quite a lot of Excel and write-up, etc. And plus exams, plus quite a long project. I wrote on a cash on the balance sheet theme for that. A very, very satisfying course to have done. Very well organised, super tutors. Quite a lot of it's done online with a tutorial. Mm. I think the shaping thing about doing the MCT, apart from being incredibly loads and loads of hard work, and I'm not selling it very well, people are saying, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. But it's very mm. satisfying when you've done it. Is that, you know, your, your roundedness in understanding the the corporate finance piece for a company, how do companies work, was massively strengthened by doing this course. It wasn't just about treasury. You know, it was much, much broader than that. I could say I wish I'd done it years ago, but in a sense, it's one of those things where a little bit of maturity and distance is also quite helpful. Yeah, you need it. Well, the way I've described it before, and it used to have sort of three levels. I know they've restructured some of the stuff, but it used to be certificate and cash management was like doing, let's just say, O-levels or GCSEs mm-hmm. in the UK mm-hmm. and things. And then your A levels, which we started to be more independent study and do that was your AMCT. Yes. And with the AMCT, it made it a lot easier. But the MCT, which was was much more, and again, I've described it to people, it's like your degree level yes. in Treasury, where you're actually independent thinking. And exactly as you say, you need probably a bit more maturity or yeah. exposure to a number of other areas as well. Yeah, so. I agree with that. I mean, we the study group that I was in, we were quite a mixed bunch. I mean, there, some people were very, very good on some of the technical things, um, and I probably asked more questions. There were other areas where I think, you know, maybe other people had better skills in how to write up and communicate with you because you had to show a lot of your work to your peer group online which is actually is a super skill for anybody working in a company because quite often somebody in the team has got to draft something up 
And then you've got, you know, that panic. Oh, I don't know anything about this topic. Why am I going to put it down? You think, well, just give it a go. Just get something down. And then the mm-hmm. team can have a look at it or your boss, wherever it is, who needs to see it next. And not be too precious about the fact that you've left a bit out and you haven't quite calculated the other and whatever it is. And I think that that's a skill you need in a company, not to be too worried about it. Just stick your head above the parapet, have a go at it, mm. show it to somebody else, have a bit of discussion, tweak it, you know, refine it. And there was a lot of that in the course, which I think was very, very helpful. And then from there, you sort of did a, a short-term stint with Paragon, but you then joined CBRE, yeah. who are, again, for the people listening, you know, real estate services, investment organization, and made you know some really interesting stuff there. I remember meeting in the offices and we talked about some of the stuff you did, really interesting work. So you know, perhaps, again, explain you know some of the treasury transition, the treasury stuff that you brought to bear there. Yeah, so I got the job at CBRE just after the company had, purchased in a facilities management business, which was branded um, Global Workplace Solutions from Johnson Controls in 2015. So I wasn't involved in that at all, but I came in after that. And it was kind of the regional CFO FD team who wanted to beef up what we were doing in the Treasury in in the EMEA region. And it was one of those jobs which sort of emerged into what it was going to be. And I think it ended up really being kind of a series of projects to support the US Treasury team and the EMEA region with putting in standardised payment connectivity. So sort of payment factory connected to the TMS, which the the US were you know, looking after in order to have efficient cash management. And it was really a lot of entities, not just from the acquisition, but entities that had been in the legacy business, which were then being flipped over to this new way of doing things and all of them kind of on on their own journey and there were times new new entities coming in as well from you know more acquisitions etc and so that was kind of the main part of what I worked on and involved in that or setting up those projects was really quite a lot of detailed sort of background you know sort of positioning okay what companies do we have where are all the bank accounts where are all the banks and then we we made quite a lot of bank changes in, in you know the banking arrangements of the company so you kind of line up banks I mean I've put this in a presentation so this is stuff that was kind of been presented in a public forum before but we kind of made sure that we had a kind of banking strategy so that when you came to do the tech projects you kind of you knew who you're going to be dealing with because when you've got big region you inevitably end up with a number of different banks who've got sweet points in different countries etc and you have to work all that out really before you start doing technology because you try and do technology with sounds a bit pejorative but you know I can think there was a one mum and pop type of bank in one country and they actually came to us and said you know what you're just too big for us now we don't we really really don't want to do this project would you mind moving on (laughs) I thought that was quite interesting (laughs) but I suppose all treasurers have that you have to work out who your banks are and how they can help you best in which countries you need to sort of have a handle on that before you start diving into lots of technology changes and I got sign off from the company to do a presentation about those projects the ACT annual conference and actually it made me laugh one of the slides I had made me laugh because every time I presented it because you know it looked like a little a little innocuous slide saying this is what we did you know I hired a project manager and I had another project manager and we did this and we did that and it was actually two years work on this little slide with sort of five blocks on it I remember seeing it and I remember you I remember at the time you saying this this was a lot of my life you know <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> this this really took ages. This was not so yeah. quick. <laughs> it's a bit like the NCT, really. You know, you, you're dead chuffed yeah. when you've done it, but when you're in the thick of it, you're thinking, oh, this is a bit of a slog. Just sort of jump in. I think, and we've we've talked about this before, and this is one of the things I actually, again, on the Treasury Skills World, we brought about communication and presentation skills. And one of the things I, I spoke about just in this virtual forum was last year, I spoke in Chicago, halfway through the speech where I'm presenting about the skills world. I, I said to these the audience, I just sort of broke out. I said, do you know what? I don't enjoy doing this. And they were like, looked to me and said, what? I don't know about you, but I found that I don't enjoy necessarily. It's not like, I was, oh, do you know what? I want to stand in front of a room of 100 relative strangers. You know, mine are, you know, maybe I've met 20% of them, but the other 80% I haven't. And sort of frustrate myself and just tell them all this stuff. I said, no, it's a real... But I realized about 10 years ago, in order for our business to grow, in order for me to be a better communicator, I needed to do this. I needed to get up on a stage and start to, to do this. And, I'm, you know, I've seen you, you talk in the past and things like that. Did, did you find that sort of, you know, it has improved your communication skills? Absolutely has improved. I think setting yourself some yeah. targets and challenging yourself to do some public speaking is a good idea. I'd said yeah. earlier on that I think treasurers got to be able to communicate externally, etc. And I think that does include some public forums. But I think the clue here is not to take on something that you're not comfortable doing or you're not actually, I'm being a bit harsh here, not qualified to talk about. Take on things mm. that are, it's not the Today programme. You don't want to go on and get shot down mm. like a politician and it's all very tough and you're, you're cringing and it's just like, oh, this is, this is not going the right way. What you want to do really is, is start off by at least talking on things that you feel comfortable with that you know about and to be honest that you've prepared for you've got to have a story when you stand up and talk if you're actually going to do a classic kind of 15 minute slot at a conference mm. you've actually got to have a bit of narrative you know not just you know ramble through a few slides and, and I think most people are pretty good at doing it but it does take some practice and to your point do you do, you, do I sort of enjoy it or I think I've started to enjoy it more because now in the job at CBRE, I was presenting all the time to banks as they came in. Right. Somebody in the team said, oh, I've never seen this before, Catherine. You know, why is the onus on you to tell the banks? I said, because I know that I'll get that back because they will ring me with more helpful comments if I give them a briefing on what we're doing. I think the more you stand up in front of you, you start off in a boardroom with a little group of people and then you suddenly put, progress to those bigger forums to the point where you suddenly think, you know, I can do this. I, I'll give this a go. I think you don't want to become, you don't want to spread yourself too thinly and be on every other panel and talking left, right and centre on things that you're not very comfortable with or you do, you're not very knowledgeable about because I think people can notice that really. Yeah, um, they see through it pretty quick. So you did that you did transformation there. Any any other stuff you sort of, you did as well? Well, I think probably legacy-wise, I'm quite happy that I got the opportunity to hire a few good people, both on fixed-term contracts and in permanent roles. And there were things that hadn't been there before. And so, you know, it's quite nice to write a job description and and get someone in and, and see that, you know, that that's another good person who's come along. And so, you know, the, the team, I'm really proud of the people who came and worked for me and the team in London. And I think it was just quite, a, you know, it's a good period. Now on, on to see what's next, really. So, what is next for you? What are, what are we thinking is, is next? And we'll, we'll sort of discuss around, a, we had a couple of topic areas I wanted to sort of, we both wanted to discuss. But, you know, what do you think is next for you in the treasury world, would you say? I thought really hard about this because I knew you were going to ask that question. And I still do think that there are some things, I know there are things that I haven't done in the treasury space, which I'd like to do, whether it's on financing or technology. I'm not. It's not really prescriptive. But I think what's important is that 
I see myself as a quite a rounded whole and don't discard the kind of accounting background or, you know, big accountancy background because it all kind of comes with you on the journey. I've had a few you know, recruiters, not you, Mike, I hasten to add, who said, oh, we don't need to know anything about what happened 10 years ago. And I, th- I totally disagree with that because you, you bring mm. with you on your career journey you bring with you all assuming they're connected I mean if you were a cook before and now you're doing treasury I'm not sure the cooking is that relevant but but it's all it, it is actually all part of the whole so quite optimistic about what will come next and you talk there about the profession and you've been involved with the ACT and I know that you did various things with different committees and yeah. again that was the theme that comes through again people might want to get involved with their local AFP in the US they might go to the local ACT or the actual ACT in London and things like that mm. you know, what have you found that has given you and what, why did you bother you know what was uh, you got enough on your plate I really say what a fantastic organisation the Association of Corporate Treasurers is uh, I'm currently the chair of the membership advisory panel which is kind of like the sort of membership forum or committee I mean I don't have to do all the hard work behind the scenes there's a, an executive group who are fantastically dedicated and very well organised but the ACT does run also on lots of treasurers there's several hundred people every year who are giving their free time in different ways different Mm. it comes in many different guises so I was asked to join the membership panel I can't remember now three or four years ago but then asked to take that over the chair a couple of years ago but in the in the meantime I was on a governance review sort of the actual structure of the ACT which which went through a couple of years ago and I've I sat some exams actually not you know my back garden and then we had a chat about the 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 draft of those particular set of exam questions I've done some little bit of talking about exam syllabuses over the last couple of years too so there's there's different things that pop up and Mm. I know that there are a whole load of people literally hundreds of hundreds of us out there who are also doing and providing support in different ways to the ACT. It's a fantastic community. You know, once you join, you're part of it. And I really believe that passionately as the chair of the membership panel, advisory panel, as you know, I really want people to feel that they belong to this organisation for the rest of their working life and beyond into, into retirement. But obviously, it's much, much smaller than the accountancy bodies. And many of us are members of those as well. But I've never had a personal interaction with the Institute of Chartered Accountants. I wouldn't know what that looks like. You know, it's big in the mind. Yeah. That's yeah. just impossible. I just, I can't really imagine that. But the ACT is, is not like that. It is wonderful. It's a great group of people and a very, very hardworking team who actually keep it going. I couldn't encourage people more to take some of the exams and get involved, really. The other area we were both quite interested in is sort of, was about women in treasury. And we were just touching on that. And I, you know, I recently recorded a video actually where I talk about the fact that, you know, to me, it's, it's less important that you're a woman but because, you know, you should be treated fairly, whether you're black, white, ethnic minority, man, woman, you know, it's, it's about finding the best people for the job. But again, at the same time, there's the, the fact that, as again, we talked about that if someone's coming back from long term sickness, he or she or whatever it might be, they're sometimes treated in a better way. We found them some people coming back from maternity leave. Yeah. And that was a frustration to both of us. And you, that's, I know that's a big topic for you, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Oh, the number of conversations I've had with younger returning mothers. I'm fortunate that I'm sort of through that particular part of my life. I say fortunate, that sounds terribly negative, but it was it was really hard trying to go out to work. I've already expressed some of that about even trying to find a job. But, I, you know, the conversations I've had with younger 
women more recently and I've said oh you know you're back at work that's great to see you and and you know what's the regime and and nearly all of them to a woman have said oh you know from whatever month I've got to actually be back here full time and I was oh how do you feel about that oh it's really hard and, and not necessarily in treasury treasury roles but in you know other other sort of fine mm-hmm. roles it is very very hard to combine all this uh, when you've got very young children I just would like to see I think this topic needs to stay current it's you know you, it mustn't be ignored because it's very easy to slip back I think without it being talked about slip back into slightly less positive a less positive situation for people mm. who really can't for whatever reason work full-time or, or whatever what do you think can be done i mean quickly you had that role which was only what sort of was it three days a week two to three days a week is that right yeah so i think i was i think it was like 60 percent to start with and at the end it was 80 right. something and we, we just i had really a good really good dialogue with the company they were charming and easy to talk to and and also the role probably didn't warrant full-time anyway so dialogue is one thing but there are still people out there who are quite senior in companies who are probably not very good at having those dialogues and they're just you know my door is open well is it really I think it just can be tough and I, I'd say more recently so I've just alluded to it, I've heard younger women sort of sighing as they realise that their part-time time is up and they've really got to work full-time again I don't know we just have to keep talking about it I suppose so to wrap up today's show, we're going to put Catherine's LinkedIn profile in the show notes so that you can connect with her if you look through this. Actually, she'd be great to have in your network. She's a lovely lady and, you know, and we're good mates and stuff like that. So, but as you go through Catherine's profile, you might be things that you think, actually, that does stand out, things like that. And, you know, you think, actually, I'd like to, as I say, every week, you know, what are the top tips you perhaps give to some of the people out there that to keep in mind as they develop their careers, whether earlier, the mid-career, a bit later on, closer to yourself, what are the key things you would say as we wrap up today's show? I think the first thing, I mean, I, I would say this, wouldn't I, because I come this route, is complete your education and work hard. I think the two things are linked. I think education, and if we're talking specifically on treasury now, I think it's very, very useful to have gone through the process of assimilating a certain number of facts and demonstrating you've got a, a kind of kind of grasp of them rather than just expecting to show up for work and just meander through what happens in that company I a bit of professional education is a useful thing and everyone can go at the speed they want to go at and the level mm-hmm. they want to go to etc so there's, there's quite a range of things out there that people could could dip into and I associate that with hard working too the second thing I'd say is maybe be a bit open-minded and take opportunities when they do come along because sometimes sometimes you don't really recognize them and you have to you know maybe bounce the idea off somebody saying you know what give it a go give it a go because it can actually be quite enriching to have done something slightly different and probably the last thing this is probably a bit more vague in a way but I think you need to take life as a whole it's not just all about going to and from a company or logging on in your back bedroom at the moment as everybody is it's mm. about combining things in your life and that's what makes you interesting as a person and often that's what people hire they see this bright person coming in don't let that go away you know if you need to take a, a run at lunchtime go take the run at lunchtime think about it sensibly how it fits in mm-hmm. with everything obviously if you've got an, an interesting hobby keep it going don't don't let it drop you know, read books, mm. go to the odd seminar, carve out time for all that stuff. Don't just come in every day and, and work really hard on the spreadsheet, whatever you do. Yeah, just try and keep that, as you exactly as you say, that sort of roundedness, you know, because otherwise it's just going to become 
yeah, all-encompassing, I find, sometimes when I talk to candidates as well. So, Catherine, amazing. Thank you very much for your time today. You've been Well, I knew it would be great fun. It was just lovely to talk to you about you, really, and I think some people will be able to take different elements throughout your career that will perhaps stand out to different people at different times as they listen to the podcast on the way to work. Oh, actually, yeah, I should think of that. You know, and just, just that lovely little summary. So uh, remains to me, thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Mike. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. Lovely.